never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that thinks it's interesting. We always ask, where's Waldo? But we never ask, how's Waldo? My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. How's it Peter. going, man? <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. How about yourself? Um, my schedule is about to get absolutely crazy. So the downtime that I have had, which is minimal at best, is was kind of fun. Playtime's over, I guess. <laughs> um, okay, fair enough. <laughs> no, uh, I'm. we're moving into what I hope to be a better winter for better skiing, which, you know, that falls on my lap. And then my kid made the high school basketball team. So now we got that scheduled to contend with. So we got a lot going on. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, That's great. Um, I do know it got like really like it seems like it's getting colder earlier in the year than usual. So maybe it will be a good skiing year for you, um, at least for us here in the Midwest. <laughs> I don't know about all our listeners, but it was like summer ended really fast, I feel. And we had a long fall, which was awesome for me because I actually kind of like the colder weather. But uh, yeah, on, it'll be interesting on. to see how that you goes. And I, you and I don't live in too far from each other. You have cold weather where you are? So I've, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of confused by the confusion, but I feel like the end of summer, I feel like the temperature dropped a lot. And there was a lot of nights where it was like down in the 40s and then would only get to like the mid 60s, low 70s during the day. And then uh, I don't know, this fall seems to have been pretty cold. I mean, we've had a couple hot weeks, but <laughs> <laughs> it's the couple hot weeks where I'm a little baffled by. But that's all right. So so no, that's true. Like last week was super warm and like it was even like up to like 75 one of the days and stuff. But we definitely have had some cold weather in there, too. So it's it's really a giant cluster F and uh, <laughs> we're all we're all probably headed for some sort of uh weather-induced cataclysm so i guess just live it up while you can yeah i'm just like when you're like cold weather I'm like, what are you talking about um anyway um let's, and that's uh, the weather segment this week on the top five know, it's it's the weather segment all right um so let's not waste any real time i guess um what are we watching what's going on yeah, so um, this week I haven't watched a ton of stuff. Um, I've actually been doing a really good job uh, spending a lot of time drawing. Um, I'm kind of, oh, nice. uh, yeah, I'm kind of like making it a goal to get a lot better at time management and get more stuff done because uh, eventually I'd like to start like tabling comic conventions and artist alley and stuff. So I'm kind of going into it with that focus. So right now I'm working on a pretty cool uh it's a, like a pretty cool like zombie punk rocker drawing that I'm hoping to turn into a print. But uh, no, I'm, I'm it's just awesome. Like I'm getting a lot of drawing time in 
and uh, that's pretty great. Um, I did watch a couple of things, though. Um, one is kind of a quick uh, follow-up from last week. Um, I finished watching the show Wolf Like Me that I was talking about. Oh, yeah. Starring uh, Josh Gad and Isla Fisher. Um, this is a show that uh, is basically like this weird, tragic, like dry romantic comedy. But uh, the whole thing uh, focuses on the uh, trials and tribulations of what it's like when your girlfriend or your significant other is secretly a werewolf. <laughs> And the dangers that go into that and the ways that you have to keep that a huge secret from the people you know and kind of like a lot of bizarre situations that the characters get into. Um, this show is streaming on Peacock. It is two seasons long. Uh, the first season was six episodes. The second season was seven episodes. It was such a quick watch. But this show is awesome. Like having watched it all. This is just such a great show. I was ta last week I was talking about how the show starts and you kind of take it really seriously. And it took me a few episodes, but I realized the show has like a really funny, dry humor to it that just got like really infectious as the show went on. But uh, what actually impressed me a lot about the second season is they did drive up the humor levels, but they also drove up the suspense levels. Like these characters get into some crazy, crazy situations. And uh, it's one of those things where after watching the first season, you almost felt like you see Josh Gad, who's like the single father, and he gets together with this new woman and uh, starts dating her. And he, um, it's kind of, it almost feels like, him and her have worked out a really good family dynamic. And uh, there's like a part in the first season where I'm just like, it almost seems like it could end here and it just has a happy ending. Like they figured out how to keep her uh, werewolf issue under wraps every full moon and they've got this happy family. But the show does a really good job of throwing wrenches into the gears and just like giving you some really suspenseful situations. Um, the one, my one main gripe for the show is I think some of the way things play out is a little bit um, predictable, but honestly, it's not that much where it's like in an unsatisfying way. Like I still had so much fun watching it, even though like some of the situations within the show, I could kind of see coming but uh yeah overall it's awesome and the way season two ends is so good it is such a suspenseful cliffhanger it kind of sucks because i don't even know if season three is greenlit like i think at this point season three isn't greenlit and i really want them to make season three because it's such a good moment where it's both like the characters are experiencing the highest of highs as far as their emotions in the moment, but also the lowest of lows. And it's a, it's really played out in a cool way. And that's my kind of spoiler free review of the second season. Um, I did watch one more thing, but I don't know, Drew, I don't know if you've had a chance to check this out yet, or if you have any further questions on wolf like me at all <laughs> i have not had a chance to check that out so um i'm living vicariously through you at the moment it sounds cool <laughs> um and i uh and i really like josh gad so this is definitely like on my radar of things to yeah check. yeah this is a really cool series it's one of those things it's such a quick watch right now you could seriously kill it 
in a weekend. Like you could probably get a free trial of Peacock and finish watching it over a weekend or something like that. So something to keep in mind. Um, The other thing that I got a chance to watch was uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, Uh, I actually watched that movie. So tell me about five. Tell me about Freddy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so this movie was really fun. Um, this movie gets a has gotten a lot of flack as far as like critical reviews and stuff like that. And uh, it's kind of crazy because this movie is a horror movie that's like marketed towards teenagers. And I don't I think it's weird. Like I saw one critic was saying that the movie didn't really have a lot to say about the like <laughs> social climate of the world nowadays or something. It was like complaining because the movie didn't have any like deeper like social or political themes to it and i was just like yeah but it's a it's a fun horror movie (laughs) marketed towards teenagers like what are you talking about um yeah i enjoyed this i enjoyed this movie a lot the only thing i think i didn't like about uh, oh what's that sorry that's i'm just i i'm literally before i forget like that's the problem with film critics And I know that we're essentially film critics, so it makes me a little bit hypocritical to say this, but you and I can acknowledge that this is a film for teenagers. Yeah. And we're not taking it, like, we're not reviewing it. Like, we know it's not going to go win Best Picture of the Year, but it was a fun ride. Like, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, for me, it goes to that thing where, not to go on a big tangent, but, like, I think it'd be unfair to compare, like, a movie like, I don't know, Wedding Crashers to, like, Lord of the Rings. Like, those are two completely different movies that are trying to do completely different things, and they both succeed really well. And it's kind of weird to say, like, well, Wedding Crashers sucks because it's nowhere as good as Lord of the Rings, and it's like... Well, yeah, but what with what Wedding Crashers was trying to do, it succeeded in with flying colors. So therefore, it is a successful piece of art or whatever. And that's kind of how I view um, art and media in a lot of ways in general. But um, no, what I was saying, the only the one thing that I didn't like about Five Nights at Freddy's is some of the characters make choices that is really hard for me to wrap my head around. Um, uh, specifically, uh, Josh, Josh Hutchinson, Hutcherson, yeah, the main Hutch- actor. Yeah. I'm as soon as I, if I'm working his job, if I'm like the, <laughs> if I'm if I'm the security guard at Freddy's, once I know that there's um, possessed animatronic creatures in there, whether they seem friendly or not, I am not stepping foot in that building ever again. I'm also not going to bring my sister there (laughs) with me ever again. And I'm not going to be falling asleep around those animatronic creatures. That's just me. Now, I do think that you could argue against me. I do think the film did a good job of justifying a lot of those choices. But then at the same time, I'm just watching it. I'm like, some of this stuff I don't know if I can get on board with. Um, the other one is the uh, the female cop character who I don't know the actress's name, but she plays uh, she plays back. What's that? Yeah, she's in she's in the show. You. Yep. She yeah she said, she going. plays she plays uh back in the uh, first season of You. That's the only thing I knew her from. But some of her choices in the whole situation i kind of wasn't sure if they seemed realistic or not or maybe just consistent but then i'm also like well when you watch the whole movie she kind of was in an effed up situation in general so maybe a lot of that stuff does make sense so i'm not saying that like this little complaint i'm going on i'm not saying it's the end of the world it's just 
I'm on the fence with some of it. But with that being said, I think otherwise the movie played everything off really well. Like, I think it's a really fun story. It's pretty suspenseful. Um, they have a lot of cool mystery to the backs, uh, like kind of like the backstory of everything that's going on. There's kind of a cool little mystery to it all. And um, especially my favorite part was actually like I did mention like some of Josh Hutchinson's characters uh, actions I found questionable, but his performance I thought was really well. Like I watched the movie and I saw that character in the film. I didn't see oh, that's yeah. this actor playing the character. Like, it was all so believable. And I yeah. actually feel like all the like all the actors in the movie portrayed their roles so smoothly and so well, it was just so believable. So that was awesome. Um, I, I agree. Josh Hutcherson, when I, going into that, like, I haven't seen him in a lot of stuff, but you have to, I had to, like, detach myself from Hunger Games a little bit. You know, like, and it was good to know that, like, I wasn't viewing it in that him in that sense at all. Right, was, right, right. Because you don't want to get, you don't want. It's a thing where, like, yeah, Daniel Radcliffe, I think, is a good actor, but I, it's hard to not see him as Harry Potter. You that's know, that's true. That's that's what I'm. <laughs> that's what the point I'm trying to make with Josh Hutcherson. Like, I didn't. It wasn't. I wasn't trapped in that mental state. Yeah. No, absolutely. And um, oh, the the only other thing I was gonna say is uh. Drew, you, you mentioned that uh, a lot of the jump scares didn't necessarily um, get you super bad in this movie. And I kind of felt the same way. Like, I didn't really jump at all. Like, a lot of the jump scares didn't really catch me by surprise. But besides that, um, I actually felt like the movie did a good job of creating a very dark, ominous tone in general. Um, yeah. Just because of the subject matter, like when you watch the movie and you think about what's really going on when it comes to like child abduction and stuff like that, like this movie covers some very dark topics. And so the movie's atmosphere to me was actually maybe more scary than any of the jump scares. But I think the movie does deliver as a horror film in that way by creating like a really dark atmosphere to it, you know? Sure. Yeah. But um, no, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I'll probably watch this again and uh, everybody should check it out. That was my one thing was just some of the characters motivations. I don't know if I'm completely sold on, but still a really good watch, you know? All right. That's cool. Um, was that it for your watching and reading? Yeah, that's pretty much it for me this week. Right. Uh, how about you? I got two things and one I hope you watched because I told you to a couple hours ago. Um, <laughs> okay. I do have one more thing. <laughs> okay. The, um, so in a world of, so I didn't get a chance to watch any movies and my schedule is just bonkers right now. So trying to watch new stuff has been a pain, but I'm still, but I trying to consume new stuff so I can talk about stuff on the show. Cause that's the whole point, right? Yeah. Um, there is, uh, a whole degree of stuff out there that I have not consumed. And I know that it's like you like to say, you know, I've heard people like when I start talking movies with people, there's always someone like, wow, you've seen everything like, no, there's stuff I haven't seen. <laughs> but I once had a friend tell me um, one of my friends in college told me that she was not interested in buying any more CDs or downloading any more music because she already knew every single band that she liked and had heard every other like every album she wanted to hear and stuff and that just blew my mind. I'm like, what? 
that's well, so weird to me. But <laughs> so I'll I, I go on a tangent on that real quick. But that's a really good point in terms of movies because movies and television shows. It's like, man, there's all this stuff I want to watch, but you know what? I'll just watch Star Wars again, or I'm just gonna watch right. Batman. Or, you know what, this is my comfort food. I'm just going to watch Grey's Anatomy again. There's those people out there that do that. Like, oh, I really should. I never got a chance to watch Game of Thrones. Everyone's kind of done talking about it. Maybe this is the perfect time. Eh, I'm going to watch Friends again. You know what I mean? Like, that happens. And people fall into that trap. There was an article I was reading about music, about how whatever music you listen to in your late high school through college, that is the music you will listen to for the rest of your life without exploring new stuff. And I found that really interesting in terms of like when I'm listening to regular radio, what I will seek out on regular radio. However, with music for me is I want the new, but I also yeah. DJed for a real, I, I, DJ, I was a wedding DJ for like 15 years. So my musical knowledge and all that stuff is a complete different ball of game from like I, the average I, person or the average person. So there's times that I'm like, all right, cool. I've heard that song 10 times. What's the next new thing? You know, like that's that's how my brain kind of functions, because I want to know what the next new thing is in music. I we don't need to go on it. That, that'd be a whole show if we really wanted it to. But like music <laughs> for me is a completely different uh, situation. Um, but no, that's a good point, because we fall into these ruts. Right. Well, yeah. in the realm of looking for new stuff to watch and me being in a little bit of a Marvel fatigue. So I haven't jumped on Loki yet looking for something new, looking for something fun. I've been scrolling through the bowels of these streaming services that have shows that come out, original shows that people are not jumping on and you're not hearing talked about at parties. Yes. And I and that's how I found like, you know, Mythic Quest on Apple. I was like, I've never heard of this show's awesome. You know? Yeah. Um, so I stumbled onto a show on Amazon called Upload. This show is really, really cool. I don't know how many seasons it is. I've only watched like the first three episodes. I went into it kind of like, eh, I don't know. This sounds kind of soap opery. And then it's actually pretty cool. Um, do you remember the movie Vanilla Sky with Tom Cruise? Never seen it. Okay. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. Because when I finished the first episode, I was like, oh, this is Vanilla Sky, the television show. Right. So ultimately, this this is set way in the future, like self-driving cars, crazy computer tech, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, they've reached a point where when you die, instead of being like just buried like everybody else is now or cremated or whatever your you know, whatever your choice is, you actually can have your personality uploaded to a computer server where you can live in a computer simulated world. And then that way, when like you're like, so if I were to get killed in a car accident tomorrow, I could be uploaded. And then when my family, friends, all that stuff, they could all be uploaded together and then we could live eternity together and go back to, you know, just, you know, that kind of thing. Right. right. So in the first episode, the main character uh, played by Robbie Amell, who's Stephen Amell's brother, um, he gets killed in a car accident. And his girlfriend is like, no, we got to have him uploaded. We had this whole plan, blah, blah, blah. So he gets uploaded and he's trying to navigate being dead and living in this computer world. But because it's a simulation, he can still talk to his girlfriend like on a phone call. Yeah. So they can still communicate. They can still whatever. Like at his funeral, it was literally like this big like theater sized screen 
where like everyone could see him in the uh, digital world and he could see everyone that showed up to the funeral to, you know, pay their respects for his passing and they could still communicate and all that stuff. So it was kind of like this. It was kind of cool to like look at. Um, but then he's got this girl who is she's referred to as an angel. OK, she's basically I.T. for his account. So if he needs something in the digital world, he can go, um, Angel, and then she like appears or talks to him via like uh, uh, voice communication. And he'd be like, hey, um, I need a new suit for this party I'm going to. Or you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Or, hey, I'm how do I do this in this world? And she could like walk him through it. So she's basically like I.T. for him. Um, OK, <laughs> but the show is really funny and it's really charming. And there seems to be some kind of a conspiracy going on, like behind the scenes with like uh, a digital memory that is kind of uh, plaguing things right now. Like he's starting to forget things, but you've already seen some files that have been deleted, but it looked like the files were deleted on purpose as opposed to by accident. So you're still like mm. peeling together the layers, but it's a comedy. Um, and the show's really funny. So um I, I definitely recommend it. It's on Amazon. So if you're an Amazon customer, like we, like everybody is, check it out. This is really cool. Um, I don't, I don't know how many <laughs> right. seasons it is. Like I said, I'm only a couple episodes in. So <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty awesome. I've actually heard this show get a little bit of hype, but not to the level, like not to a huge I, level. Just I hear, I've heard the concept brought up on like podcasts and stuff, but it does sure. sound pretty cool. And uh, I kind of want to watch it just to see how believable they make this uploading concept seem because I even hear about it and I'm on the fence like, yeah, but would that actually work? You know, <laughs> you know? so I'm kind of curious how that plays out. Too, well, you know? there was there's some technology stuff in there that I thought was really interesting that kind of made me laugh. Like and remember in Demolition Man when they had like the virtual sex. Right. Um, <laughs> right? In the movie Demolition Man, you're like, oh, like, yeah, it's the future. And then they're like, oh, we're going to have sex. And then it's virtual. Yeah. Um, and this one there's a scene where these two characters are clearly going to sleep together and the girl stops and goes, did you bring protection? And he goes, I did. And he pulls up this thing that looks like a condom and she does the same thing. And they both kind of nod like, okay, good. And then you watch them like open this. It looks like a condom. Right. And then they take out this little like circular device that's that like lights up and they mount it to their chest. And then you watch from a camera perspective, they lean towards each other and say, I'm consenting to this. So okay. it's like, so it's like recorded, but like when you think about all the weird oh, wow. stuff that goes on in the world, you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm consenting to this. And then she leans in and goes, I'm consenting to this. And then it can, the scene continues. <laughs> but <laughs> when you think about the stuff in the world, like rape and all this, you know, that kind of stuff. And like, um, the me too movement and everything. Absolutely. You know, like, <laughs> You're just yeah. like, oh, wow, okay. Like, I didn't, you know, just the way it, like, kind of played out. It was just kind of cool, you know? Um, right. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, sounds sounds really interesting, too, so. But yeah, in all seriousness, check it out. I think I think the show is really fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, so. Nice. That's all I got for it is I think the show is really fun, so. Yeah, um, nice. I'll have to check it right. out. The other thing that I watched that I hope you did was that we haven't talked about trailers in a long time, but the That's trailer, true. the trailer for Ghostbusters Frozen Empire dropped today. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not talking about a video game. I'm talking about the next Ghostbusters movie that I don't think we all I don't think any of us knew were filming. 
Like, I thought it was still like a pipe dream at this point. But what are your first thoughts on this trailer, man? Yeah, it's I feel like I did know it was filming, but didn't really think about it. Like, it's not one of those movies like um, like Superman Legacy is going to be followed so much. There's going to be back, you know, backstage screenshots shared all over the place. And this movie flew under the radar so well. So I remember um, yesterday there was actually a teaser trailer for the teaser trailer that dropped like the Ghostbusters <laughs> Twitter, Twitter account released like a five second like trailer teaser which is kind of silly but it mentioned like you know this trailer is dropping tomorrow and I was like okay I guess that's happening um and then yeah tuned in today watched it um this looks really interesting um I really love that I don't know for sure, but I feel like if you watch the 2016 Ghostbusters trailer, I feel like when it... The, you're, talking I, about, you're talking about the uh, Melissa McCarthy. The female, the like... The female one, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, so... The Paul Feig. Yeah, yeah, so I feel like that trailer, and maybe even Afterlife did a lot to play up the nostalgia aspects of it like they would show either the ecto-1 or the ghostbusters uh headquarters or um stuff like that they would play the music and i loved that this trailer played out completely differently it starts with this cold open it has a bunch of people on the beach like just enjoying a summer day and uh all the sudden doesn't it sort of i was and that's actually a good call i was kind of um in my mind, I was equating it to disaster movies. Like, it felt more like The Day After Tomorrow or something because you have, like, everybody's freaking out because some kind of a storm or tidal wave's coming in, and it's actually, like, this weird ice storm thing that starts freezing the city. And uh, it was just so jarring. And I remember the... Because I watched this trailer twice, and the first time I watched it... It's like 10 seconds after everything starts freezing, I had to pause the trailer and make sure that I was watching the right trailer. I was like, wait, is this Ghostbusters? <laughs> and then they show the, uh, the Ghostbusters building. Yeah, and you start them. to see those. Yeah, you start to see those elements. You start to see some of the actors from the first movie. You see uh, Dan Aykroyd makes an appearance. Bill Murray makes an appearance. A Bill lot of just new makes people. An appearance. Right, right. But then even like uh, even like just newer actors I didn't know were involved, like Kumail Nanjiani's in there, uh, Patton Oswalt's in there. It looks just like a really Paul good Rudd's time, back. you know? Yeah, Paul Rudd's back. The kids are all back. Like, it, yeah, yeah, it looks fantastic. So, yeah, no, it, it, it just looks like a blast. I love that they're bringing in some uh, some newer comedians, too, who weren't present in the last movie, but seem like they fit the Ghostbusters vibe. And uh, no, everything just looks it looks cool and it looks epic. And uh, some of those glimpses of whoever this new main villain is, I'm really curious to see know, the, like, what's the, going on with that. With the horns and stuff like that. And it's clearly <laughs> like and Paul Rudd's back there laughing like, oh, my God, look at this. Right. <laughs> It looks, it just, I'm like, it made me like super excited and like whatever this prophecy thing is, it's clearly like the original guy, because Dan Aykroyd and them, they, they were heavily involved with the writing of this stuff, even back then, yeah. that it just makes me excited, um, like what they cooked up. So yeah, man, I'm in, I'm going to be, my butt's going to be in a seat for that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It looks great. So, so. <laughs>
so yeah other than that uh ghostbusters looks great so everyone go check out the ghostbusters trailer um but let's jump into the news man we got a handful of things to discuss not a lot a handful of things to discuss so um let me let me start with this so you mentioned uh you know superman legacies and its thing um so james gunn says creature commandos is all set to come out in 2024 like they planned um wow there have never been any delays thank goodness uh any other any info otherwise is well intended intentioned mistake or misspeaking um so basically like they didn't have any delays in this with the strikes and, you know, all that stuff, um, which is great. So Creature Commandos is set and ready to roll, which I think is fantastic. So it's just good news to know that's moving forward for the first of uh, the James Gunn stuff. Um, yeah. Flipping over to Marvel here real quick. Is this? Yeah. Flipping over to Marvel. This is these stories tonight are kind of quick. So unless you have like stuff to add, jump in. Um IGN, it was an IGN, I think it was IGN that did the, this came from IGN. There's an article about how Marvel's greatest strength has become its curse. Um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe built its success on the backs of lesser known characters, but that underdog strategy, which helped Bill Iron Man and Captain America as some of the greatest well known superheroes, isn't working the same way anymore. And the article goes in to talk about how Marvel has strayed so heavily from where they were um, that they need to somehow get back. And we talked last week about how they're trying to revive the uh, the heroes, you know what I mean, to get back to that uh, rooted um, yeah. Avengers stuff that we talked about. So it's they're basically saying that, you know, they created they created their own problem and now they have to get back to it. I really do personally think that if they did like a team movie now or a team TV show now, I think it would solve a lot of problems. They just have too many threads. There's like. I, I know I talked about it last week, but when I read a comic and I'm reading like Batman and they're building up to an event and then in the comic, it'll say to be continued in Justice League 200. And you're like, OK, cool. And then you pick up Justice League 200 and it's Batman. You're picking up with Batman in that book where he left off. But if I go back and read Superman leading up to that or Wonder Woman leading up to that or Green Lantern leading up to that, I'm now going to have this event that all these characters coalesce and it's going to make this thing. Right. That's how comic books happen. So if you look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that's what they did with all the individual movies. They built up to a team movie, did a team movie, did some individuals, built up to a team movie. Eventually, it came all the way up to Endgame. We knew they had to deal with some fallout. We knew they had to deal with some new characters, but they've gone so many new individual things that they need to start bringing this into teams. But if they would have said, hey, we're going to get Scarlet Witch and Moon Knight and Loki and this guy and we're going to do a team up thing real quick to catch everyone up to speed and then back to the individual stuff. I think that would have really saved some of the Marvel stuff going on right now. That's just my personal opinion. But as a comic book reader, I was with it the whole time because I know how that's com I know how comic books function on that scale. The average moviegoer is not reading comic books and doesn't understand it the way I do. So my patience with it is on a different scale. I yeah. think that I think that's the best way of saying it. And I know I'm piggybacking on what I was saying last week, but 
I think that's the best way of wording it. Um, but uh, the IGN article is actually really cool uh, to read through if you get a chance to read it. Um, if not, I mean, I'm trying to just break it down for you that they're they're in this weird position, but they're trying to bring back these characters. So, you know, let's yeah, see what happens. It's really hard to know what to make of this. And I'm kind of like, I'm trying to get a sense for like, why is it like, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of how to word this, but what is it that's making all this Marvel fatigue like happen right now where we're getting these articles? And um, I've talked to like a lot of my friends and stuff kind of have stopped caring about Marvel. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, is it too many threads? Is it some other reason? Is it because like a lot of everybody's favorite characters are just no longer in this universe? Um, I'm kind of trying to get a sense of it. And uh, it's hard to really comment on. But I do think I think there also might be a level of like too much going on at the same time, which kind of is related to too many threads. But after Endgame, um, which felt like this really good high point for the MCU and uh, unfortunately, probably a good leaving off point for a lot of people. But afterwards, it felt a little bit like we were bombarded with like multiple shows and movies every year and it started to get harder to keep up with. And I think some of the Marvel shows I don't think have been as consequential as it was first made out to be. So maybe that factors into it too. Like, you know, you spend all this time watching um, certain Marvel shows and you're like, well, I thought this was going to have more of an impact on the movies and maybe certain people didn't feel that way. Um, and I'm just spitballing, trying to think of different angles to this. But this is uh, this is really interesting. And the MCU is such a unique thing that it's really hard to compare it to something else like it's. As much as like I want to say, like compare it to Star Wars and say, like, maybe they should have taken a break after Endgame and built up more anticipation or you could compare it to something else. It's really its own unique beast. So it's hard to go too far with the hypothetical hypotheticals as well. You know what I right. mean? Right. Uh, well, we'll see how it plays out. I just, you know, it's yeah, it's it's inter- it was an interesting read. And Marvel's in an interesting position. I know they're going to do something amazing. And, like, it's kind of like if you just put Thunderbolts out now. Like, if you get Thunderbolts out now, I think I think uh, it would save a lot of stuff because that's a team-up movie that we know is coming. It's essentially Dark Avengers. Um, and it's characters we want to see again. We want to see Black Widow's sister. We want to see Red Hulk. We want, you know what I mean? Like, I think... I think that'd make a big difference because it's stuff we've picked up on and gone, oh, yeah, I can't wait for that to come to a fruition. And here we are. You know what I mean? So, yeah, just a personal yeah, thought. Um, all right. Another Marvel News Blade um, will be rated R. Um, yeah, I heard this, which <laughs> I think stuff. is awesome. Um, I that's I don't have any problem with this. We know Deadpool's rated up. We know Deadpool 3 is going to be rated R. So it's going to be that's the first two Marvel films in the MCU that going to be rated r i think it's going to open the door a little bit in the sense that we could get a rated r x-men film um i don't know i'm just saying i'm just kind of spitballing a little bit and we don't want to have that distinction of you know i don't of oh no marvel's turning kids away because they're going to be rated r we want this stuff to be on a level for everybody but there's certain subject matters i think warrant it um yeah and you know when you read when I read, if I'm reading it, like if they're going to do a Punisher movie, it's probably going to have to be rated R. You know what I mean? Um, 
if they're doing a Spider-Man movie, you know it's going to be PG-13. We're not asking everything to be made rated R, but I don't think you can do Deadpool without being rated R. I don't think you can do Dead, uh, Blade without being rated R, especially because they're covering vampires, and that's potentially a lot of blood, and they need to have the rules open for them, you know? So, but yeah, I'm I down. This is that. great. I'm excited for it. So I can't wait for the next Blade movie. Blade's awesome. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> or, I mean, I'm hoping it's great, but yeah, this is good stuff to yeah. hear, you know. Um, you know how we talked about, so after Mario Brothers uh, came out as a movie, and people started talking about, you know, I can't wait for them to do, like, obviously sequels, but like a Legend of Zelda movie that started yeah. becoming fast-tracked. And um, I was, I'm excited for it. I'm like, this is great, let's do a Legend of Zelda movie. What I was not expecting is this. Nintendo's Legend of Zelda movie will be a live action Legend of Zelda movie. Yeah, I heard about this. This is something I was not expecting. Um, the uh, let's see, uh, movies being produced by Nintendo: Shigeru Miyamoto and Avi Arad, uh, chairman of Arad Productions and former founder and CEO of Marvel Studios, with the Maze Runner director Wes Ball set to direct. Um, I don't know how many of the Maze Runner films he did. I watched the first one and part of the second. The first one was all right, but there was a lot of dystopian future movies that kind of came out back to back to back. Um, so I didn't ju- I didn't get onto the Maze <laughs> yeah. Runner. I, I didn't I didn't get onto the Maze Runner bandwagon as I did like Hunger Games. Um, but I, I enjoyed the first one and this and part and what I saw the second one I enjoyed, but I got. I got pulled away from him and never got a chance to go back. Um, but live action Legend of Zelda, this is awesome. Like, that just sounds awesome. So I'm in, man. Let's do it. Um, yeah, it's it sounds cool. Um, yeah, I don't know that directors work outside of... Uh, I only watched the first Maze Runner movie, and I thought it was really cool. So it seems like he might be a good choice. Um, for me, like, I feel like we live in this world where CGI is so good right now. We've seen what they can do with, like, world building when it comes to various franchises like Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, like, you name it. Like, they can do so much cool stuff with world building. So I feel like a Legend of Zelda movie, it seems so, you know, of course, like, do it live action. It's going to be awesome. But for me, it's really going to depend on who they cast as Link, because Link is one of those characters where you see him in the games and you see him on paper. Like if you see him drawn in like a manga style, the character looks so cool. But then you go to a convention and you see these guys who dress as Link and a lot of times they don't look that cool. <laughs> like a lot of times they look kind of goofy because Link's like this character who has this green outfit and like kind of like this elf hat sort of thing. And when you have like a full grown man wearing that, sometimes it does. It's kind of jarring in real life. Um, I actually feel like a lot of times when you see like a uh, like a woman play uh, cosplay as Legend of Zelda and I, or not cosplay is link oh my gosh that was a horrible <laughs> horrible miss saying but you know what i mean when a girl cosplays as link it for some reason plays off like a lot better than a guy and uh i don't know it's gonna be really interesting to see who they cast as link in this movie because they're gonna release a screenshot and you're gonna see that actor and that's all it's gonna come down to or a big chunk of it is gonna come down to it is like do you buy that character in that role? And that's, I think, probably the biggest challenge for this, in my opinion. 
Um, yeah. So. Well, and I'm going to say this. Um, I am with you 100% on that point because that was my biggest concern was cast was the live casting a Link. Um, Link specifically, I'm not so concerned about Zelda. Um, yeah, exactly. But, however, I'm going to I'm going to point you towards the live action One Piece in terms of casting. And okay. I know you haven't watched the show because you probably would have brought it up, said, hey, I watched One Piece. Um, but the casting in that show, like they look I mean, it is like it's like pitch perfect. Like, I mean, pitch perfect. And my limited and I've watched a, I've, I've now watched a chunk of the anime to know that it is pitch perfect. Um, and even just, even seeing just, you know, even like my limited knowledge of the anime prior to watching the live action show, they did such a good job with the casting. Um, so in all seriousness, I think, I think we're in good hands as long as they kind of pay attention the way those guys did. And, Uh, and what might factor into that, it might be as simple as, um, the one piece show, which I still haven't watched the live action show. I feel like they went with a lot of no name actors, like these actors that every they weren't household names. Not everybody was familiar with. And it makes it easier to believe that, like, oh, this person is like Monkey D. Luffy. Like, it's easier to see him in that role. And I think that's going to be maybe that's what they need to do with the Legend of Zelda movie, you know, as opposed to when they release (laughs) when they release a screenshot of like Tom Holland dressed dressed as Link and you're just sitting there like. I don't know if I buy this one, you know, so maybe they'll just have well, to go with unknown, you, you know, unknown names for this. Yeah. And you made a point a long time ago about how we're dealing with a lot of like, it seems like we're dealing with the same 12 actors and we've fallen into like a rut of yeah. same casting. And, you know, if we all remember back 1977, Star Wars released with a bunch of no names and it exploded. And maybe that's what we need right now. So yeah, that's a good, good yeah. call. Uh, but we'll see. Um, that being said, watch One Piece, Peter. I'm surprised that you you got to get on. Um, <laughs> right on. <laughs> all right. So moving on. Uh, officially, SAG and the studios have officially reached a tentative deal ending the strike. Um, I got a little bit of detail on this, and and I'm not kidding. This dropped probably about half an hour before we hit record, and stuff keeps piling in. So I don't have the full story, but I can tell you what I do know. So apparently it's a tentative deal on a new three-year contract. I don't know entirely what that means. Still learning. Um, But it's amazing that they're going to be able to get back to what they're doing. Um, Let me see here. After a grueling 118 days on strike, they've officially reached a tentative agreement on a new three-year contract with studios. Um, A move that is heralding the end of the 23-actor strike. Okay, that's kind of there. All right. So the agreement next... So the, the the strike will officially end tomorrow, 12.01 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. The agreement next goes to the SAG-AFRA National Board for approval on Friday and then to a ratification vote by SAG members. But right now it's all tentative and it's good news. So Sweet. <laughs> all I have is it sounds like the strike is legitimately over and we can get back to um, – watching some cool shit again. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then any thoughts on that before I move on? Yeah, I think it's um, it's one of those things. Like, I've seen people on Twitter and stuff nitpicking different angles on this, but to me it feels like this strike is kind of, for the average person, it was kind of just a weird little chapter in our life where <laughs> everything got delayed, 
But like you said, now we can start watching some cool shit again. And that's kind of how I'm viewing it. Like some of the projects, some of the movies that we were excited about are back into production. So, you know, I'm not part of the um, Hollywood monolith of an industry out there. So it's hard for me to comment on a lot of the specifics. And I've noticed people looking at a lot of the specifics of this. But to me, like, I'm just going to be positive and just be like, okay, cool. We got some stuff going again. So that's kind of where I'm at with this one. Cool. 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 All right. And the final news story of the night, and this is so much fun to know this is a thing. A Barbenheimer movie (laughs) is in the works. (laughs) Um, I don't, have you heard about this, Peter? I, I think I vaguely did. And I kind of like, I think I heard it mentioned somewhere or saw it mentioned and I kind of just pushed it out of my mind for some reason. <laughs> Cause I was like, well, that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> just moved on with my day, but no, tell me about it. All right. So the movie will actually be titled Barbenheimer playing okay. off on the Barbie Oppenheimer weekend that we all had. Here is the plot synopsis. It is officially a B movie. They're literally calling it a B movie. Um, so the B movie mashup will see a Dr. Babby J Bambi J Barbenheimer living in Daltopia, and after a trip to the real real world, leaves her spiteful against humanity. She decides to blow it all up. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Listening, reading just that made me realize that this very well could be the next Idiocracy. And it had me really excited. When you think about the movie Idiocracy playing on the social commentary of the downfall of the society, the de-evolution of the um, human race, um, the how we've become, which how we will end up being. But when you watch the movie, you're like, I'm living it. It's already here. This makes me wonder if it'll be that kind of a thing where it's going to show that heavily and be like, well, we just might as well just blow it all up while we're at it. But Dr. Bambi J. Barbenheimer in Daltopia. Yeah, that's a awesome. good that's a good uh, take on this, like the idiocracy that's just, comparison. That's just my thought. And that's what I that's immediately what I thought of when I read the story. So, yeah, they could easily they could easily play it out in that sort of um, almost South Park sort of way where, like, you have this <laughs> Barbenheimer character who comes and visits the real world and is so disgusted at just how many things are stupid and wrong about our society that's a really good call and it makes me it actually gives me a lot more faith in this movie i didn't really know what to think of this i didn't know if this was going to be a parody film or (laughs) is this going to be something more like uh cool world like i know barbie has a little bit of maybe cool world influence in there but maybe it's like cool world in the sense that they're gonna like play up how ridiculous this situation can get but Maybe you're right. Maybe this is an idiocracy angle. And um, it's funny because idiocracy is only like, what, 15 or so years old. Like, it's not that long ago that the movie came out. But the sad thing is, it kind of feels like we need a new <laughs> idiocracy already. Like, the world's <laughs> gotten that stupid. So, <laughs> um, it's, it, yeah, um, there was something you said that literally... I'm sorry, I'm drawing a complete blank on what you said. Oh, that's okay. Oh, wait, that's a good point. It's all right. It doesn't matter. We're like, yeah, that's the angle I was just thinking. Like, the idiocracy just made sense to me. But, you know, we'll see. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, pause the show, go watch Idiocracy, and come back. Because we, uh, we talk about it quite a bit. 
and <laughs> it comes up just because of everything in the world that's going on, you know? So. <laughs> right on. All right. Um, well, that kind of brings us to the end of the news, man. Um, do you want to talk about tonight's list? Yeah, let's go for cool. it. All right, it is list time, everybody. So we're going to roll the thing. the top five. Okay. Peter. Um, What's this, up? <laughs> this was uh, my pick. Um, I hope this wasn't too difficult. I found it kind of interesting because there's like two I wrote down immediately and then I had to like really rack my brain. Um, so I was just thinking about action films and I feel like it's a genre that's not the same as it used to be. And there was like a golden era of action films that fits from like in the eighties and nineties. So the idea was to do action films from 1980 to 1999 and don't go beyond because I know we got some good ones. I know we have like John wick and the mission Impossibles have gotten pretty crazy and, and like they just get, seem to get better. And then, you know, you throw in, um, What's another really good one? And some of the Fast and the Furious ones for sure are action films. Yeah. Get that. So there are some out there, um, but I don't feel like they're the same as some of the ones we've gotten in the past. You know, um, like your Terminators and your Rambos and your, you know, like there's there's a degree of what an action film was back in the 80s to through the 90s. Um, to me... Um, I was thinking about this, too, because action films has got a lot of subcategories, right? So, yeah, I could say that Lord of the Rings is an action film, but ultimately it's a fantasy epic. You know, I could say the Pirates of the Caribbean is a fantasy film, but I still feel that falls under fantasy epic. You know, I mean, you yeah. can argue it and say if that makes your list, that makes your list. You know what I mean? Um, I could say that uh, what's a really. It's a really good example. There was one I thought of. Oh, um, the movie Heat. That made my short list. Okay. Okay. The only reason it doesn't make my list tonight is because there's one really big action sequence in the movie. But for the most part, it's a very slow moving movie leading up to that giant action sequence at the end. Right. So I don't know if I can count it as an action movie so much as I do like a drama or a thriller. Um, so there's just, it was kind of like, I was looking at it in the sense of, well, action movies have, um, a crazy premise. They have a lot of great fight scenes, whether they be gun, physical car explosions, like fast moving pieces, like they're meant to be fun. We're not looking to win like Academy Awards with these things, but they're meant to be really fun. And that's something that, um, I was kind of looking at when I was doing this and um, I had fun piecing it together, but I don't know how difficult it was for you to kind of put this list together. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I didn't have too much trouble with it because um, I think last episode, Drew, you did a good job of kind of describing what you were looking for. And I think it's true that in the 80s and 90s, especially, there was a certain vibe that um a lot of the big action movies have and i think you're right in that a lot of movies nowadays don't necessarily have that and um you know you could pin it on character moments you could pin it on the fact that there's not a lot of just straightforward action movies like there's a lot of 
I mean, you could say every single one of the MCU movies is action. You could even say like stuff like Underworld or Resident Evil are action movies. But there's not a lot of, um, you know, outside of the some of the stuff you said, Fast and the Furious, uh, Mission Impossible. There's not a lot of just straightforward, strictly action films that are made now. Usually it's like a sci fi film or a mystery film or something that has action elements to it. And that's really what made the list easy for me and kind of made it easy to stick with that vibe was what are my favorite movies from the decades you mentioned that the main focus is the action? You know, it's there might be sci-fi elements. There might be some weird stuff going on, but the action is the first and foremost part of the film. And uh, looking through it, through that scope, it made a lot more sense and made the list a lot easier to put together. That being said, I do have some picks that I think are off the beaten path, but when you look at it, I think they still truly are action films first and foremost. And I have um, one or two picks that I think might lean a little more sci-fi, and we can get into that later, but uh, yeah, I think I stayed true to the vibe for the most part. I got so. you. Okay. Um, I, um... Yeah, what the heck? I don't know what I was going to say. All right. Um, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> I have two honorable mentions. Uh, so do I. Okay. Um, so there was my list. You got to go first. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay. So <laughs> my first honorable mention is a classic action movie. It's for a lot of people. It's one of the first movies that you think of when you hear the term action movie. It is a classic it probably should be higher on my list. The reason it's an honorable mention is because I know it's like one of the quintessential action movies, but every time I watch the movie, every time I think of the movie, I think of it more as like a sci-fi thriller than an action. And that movie's The Terminator. And I know that sounds crazy, but when you look at the time travel aspects, when you look at the sci-fi concepts in the movie, when you look at the special effects, some of those practical effects, like when uh, you have Arnold who's like fixing parts of his robotic body or you see parts of his face removed and stuff, like some of those effects are so real and so impressive on sort of a special effects level that I always think of The Terminator as being like a sci-fi classic even though it is like an action classic at the same time, for some reason in my mind, like personally, I always put it more in the sci-fi camp just enough that that's why it didn't make my list. If that, if that makes sense, but it's still an all time classic. It's amazing. So yeah, the first Terminator is the the first honorable mention I have. So um, I totally agree with you. Um, I know it's a sci-fi classic, but this is one of those movies that kind of fell in line with legitimately, um an action film like yep, it's, and it ha- it's it's an action film let's be real whether you're talking about sci-fi or not this is an action film and it's okay so let me rephrase alien is like aliens the second one is an action yeah. film but it's still science fiction horror and i would probably roll it into horror than action okay terminator yes it's science fiction but this is an action film from the beginning to end Yes. Yes. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. And I think it is because of stuff like the special effects and the time travel and crazy sci fi concepts and uh, some of the more like thriller elements, you know, like uh, Arnold chasing people around the whole time and stuff. It makes me think of this movie as a sci fi thriller, just as much of it as an action 
film. So um, I guess I was just being pretty strict with my picks. But uh, yeah, this is this is an amazing movie. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So Terminator, nice. Um, all right. So my first one is uh, this goes into the '90s. Um, I I absolutely love this movie. <laughs> I really think, and in a world where I don't want them to remake everything. This one, I honestly would love to see, like, a reboot, I guess, to com- be completely honest. Um, I don't know if I'd want legacy actors brought back in. I almost want to see, like, a new take on it. Um, and this is Face Off. Uh, Ooh, Nicholas, okay. Nicholas Cage and John Travolta. This is literally, if you don't know Face Off, seriously, it's not just two guys facing off and fighting each other. This is, they're going to take the face off the one guy. So the other guy can put on the guy's face and go undercover as him and his criminal organization to find the location of a bomb. The other guy is going to wake up and realize what happened and take the other guy's face and put it on his. And now it's like these two guys are living each other's lives, but they're trying to kill each other at the same time. The action sequences in this is absolutely intense um, and incredible. Um, I had a, this is a, this is one I have a lot of fun with in terms of the action sequence. I do feel the movie was very ahead of its time. The premise is incredibly ridiculous, but it's just fun from beginning to end. Nicolas Cage just chewing every bit of scenery he can until he has to be like when he's the bad guy and then he has to become the good guy. And then it's almost like he went from I'm going to chew up the scenery and then I'm going to have to flip the script and let John Travolta chew up the scenery. scenery. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it's it's so good, man. Um I really like Face Off, but um, I just couldn't. I, it just had to be an honorable mention. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Face Off is great. It's one of those movies that um, I feel like the premise, like it has its own ridiculousness to it, but you kind of know that going in, so you're just ready to watch the movie and have fun. And the movie delivers like when it comes to just like well written dialogue, when it comes to suspenseful scenes, like when it comes to just really cool things like cool parts of the movie the movie delivers so well and uh no this is this is a great great call so i didn't think of this one um you did say that you kind of want to see a face-off reboot and that leads to what i think the most obvious question is who are the two main stars in the face-off reboot <laughs> I, <laughs> they made I, one in i really don't know how to answer that question let's be real <laughs> i just <laughs> um so I'm thinking it'd be like Justin Bieber and uh, I don't know, like Timothy Chalamet or something. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm trying to think of ridiculous people, but <laughs> don't ruin it. Um, yeah, I honestly have no idea. I I was looking at it as um, I was looking at it as with technology today, because um, you got to remember you have two guys, Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. And they're going to switch places, right? They have to have they have yeah. to faces removed and they talk about how you know there's a line with like because um john travolta right before he goes through the procedure he's asked he's like well i don't physically look like him and they're like oh technology today we can adjust the love handles and you know we can do the body type and all that stuff right today's technology would be explained better and with with computers and everything it would probably physically look better when they do go through the procedure and stuff so that makes um, sense I just think I think it could be I think it could warrant a reboot. I'm not saying I want it, um, but it does make me want to go watch the movie again. So (laughs) there's also other uh, hurdles they have to think about today, though, when it comes to uh, facial recognition and stuff like that. Like they really have to 
think out all those aspects um, in this hypothetical face-off that reboot that isn't happening <laughs> that we're discussing. But yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, good call with this one. All right. Um, next pick, man. Next honorable yeah, so my, my next honorable mention is one of my most ridiculous picks. Um, some people might not think it counts, but I think when you look at it on paper, this totally counts, especially when you think of a movie being an action movie and putting the action above everything else. I went with Mortal Mortal Kombat, the uh, 1995 um, Paul W S Anderson Mortal Kombat film. Uh, this this totally movie counts. <laughs> yeah, this movie is all about action. Like, yeah, there's some weird uh, fantasy elements to the movie and stuff like that, but the fighting is really what counts in this movie. And this movie is chock full of fight scenes. Like, it's almost like every other scene is a fight scene. But I think Mortal Kombat. For as much as, like, sometimes people clown on it for either bad special effects or they say, like, the movie as a whole was kind of silly. And, you know, there might be some um, merits to those arguments. I also think it's a really fun film. It's for a long time, it was one of the best uh, video game films until we got some some of the more recent ones. But the movie holds up pretty well. It's a lot of fun. There's great action. And I think kind of going along with some of these classic 80s and 90s action films i think the film even has like some really fun character moments and uh even some like kind of really memorable lines especially um you know stuff like the whole like it has begun thing and a lot of those things you know like uh your soul is mine like there's a lot of really great lines and moments in this movie so uh yeah mortal Kombat, good times (laughs) (laughs) all right um yes mortal Kombat is all action top to bottom just look i like the first one way better than i like the original i'm sorry not the i like the original first one as opposed to the original sequel um, right right i do think that's better um i i went into that movie like it's interesting i went into that movie and they start with Liu kang and then you meet johnny cage and you're just like yeah okay but in my mind the whole time i'm like can you just get the scorpion and goro and the cool stuff like faster <laughs> like <laughs> true like you know so um but no i i really really enjoyed the mortal Kombat movie um i also in the realm of fighting games and stuff that's the one i di- I, I got really into the lore of um i never like i didn't really get into the lore of street fighter and stuff but i always like really enjoyed the lore of um uh not mortal Kombat, like the characters where they came from their backstories all that stuff so yeah good call on mortal Kombat. um all right so my next one this goes into that sci-fi thing that you were talking about with terminator but in all seriousness um I think there's a lot of sci-fi elements in some of these action films. But uh, I my last honorable mention for the night is RoboCop, uh, the original. Oh, cool. Um, this is literally a guy, a police officer gets killed in the line of duty, and they're like, hey, we got an idea. And they turn him into a cyborg, robotic, humanoid police officer, and he goes and busts the bad guys. Um, it's... This movie is bonkers from beginning to end just because, like, so OCP, the um, the company that makes the robots, man, they're, like, the most corrupt 80s cocaine yeah. company there is. Um, <laughs> they're just, like, into some weird stuff, man. But they, it's, it's a cool, like, when you put in perspective of everything, like, went down, like, with uh, P. 
Peter Weller's character becoming the RoboCop himself, and then, like, the battling with Ed 209, and, like, those are, like, some old-school 80s superimposed special effects, too, that they did with some of those robots, like, stop-motion stuff. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, but, you know, when you, like, you know, see RoboCop get out of the car, and he, like, you know, kills everybody, like, at the, at the drug bust and everything, like, they pull guns on him, and he's like, well, I know how to handle this, pop, pop, pop. Like, it's a cool movie. Um, I know they tried remaking it or doing like a reboot with it a few years back. I never did watch it. The Joel Kinnaman, Michael Keaton one. I never mm-hmm. did watch that one. I, I always wanted to, but then part of me is like, eh, you know, maybe I don't need to, but yeah. The, the reboot I thought was pretty cool. Um, it's, it's hard to compare cause RoboCop's such a legendary movie, like the original one. So if you're going to watch the reboot and you're going to compare it the whole time, just don't even watch it sort of thing. But if you are going to watch the reboot and view it as kind of its own thing, I think it actually is a really cool action sort of sci-fi superhero-y sort of thing. Um, I had a really good time watching that one. Um, And then, yeah, the, the classic original RoboCop movie, like it's great. Like you're right. There's so many good special effects. The movie has so much good gore and uh, character moments, a lot of like really dark, like uh, dark in a good way, like that sort of infectious sort of dark character moments when it comes to the villains of the film and stuff. And, uh, you know, when I watch the old RoboCop movies, the one thing that um, hasn't aged with me as well as I wish it did is uh, oh, this, this some, movie does not age well at all. But <laughs> well, I, I think it does, except for uh, it's just the slow walking, like some of those <laughs> RoboCop action scenes when he's doing the slow walking. I just it gets a little tedious for me, but I get that they were. You know, he's moving like a robot, you know, that's kind of the angle they were going for. But everything else, I love this pick. This is a great one. This one's a classic, you know. Yeah. All right. First actual pick. What do you got? Yeah. So um, just since we're kind of on the uh, sci-fi route, I guess I'll keep that going. Um, This pick, um, my next pick is the one pick on my list that I feel like, well, it's hard to say, but this one definitely is kind of on the fence whether it leans more sci-fi or leans more action. But uh, I went with Demolition Man. And mm. uh, Stallone was definitely part of that, like, 80s um, eighties and 90s sort of action movie boom. He was, you know, one of the... T- like, he's on, like, the Mount Rushmore of action film stars. And Demolition Man fits into that sort of, uh, that sort of vibe. And uh, it's just this crazy, cool futuristic cop crime story like it's so much fun and uh the movie like when it comes down to it you can really say it's like sylvester stallone's character versus uh wesley snipes like versus simon phoenix and that's what the movie focuses on so hard so there is so much of it is these repeated just like awesome action scenes but i love this one because it is a look into the future, you know, like these are characters who are cryogenically frozen and uh, it goes into the future. And uh, so many of the concepts are cool when it comes to like Drew, you mentioned early earlier this episode, even like the uh, how they have like sex and how it's not even like um, like a contact sport, <laughs> for lack of a better term, you know, how like that that's is a, completely, way, that's a like, way of wording it. <laughs> They turned it into this completely VR sort of thing. And uh, kind of like when you see like uh, when there's a car accident and the car fills with styrofoam because that's going to preserve the person inside of it the best. And uh, it's really weird when you start to look at um, 
like the sort of class warfare that's going on there too how there's like there's the normal high society folk who are um living on the surface and then you have kind of like this sort of like grungier underbelly of society living in the sewers um, with like Dennis Leary's character and stuff. And it's kind of like a weird Morlocks versus the Eloy sort of thing. Um, But yeah, Demolition Man, it's a classic movie. And I think as much as like certain futuristic elements of the movie maybe haven't aged well, the concepts in that movie, I think have aged super well when you look at, um, social issues and politics and stuff like some of those concepts in there seem just as relevant today as when the movie came out so uh yeah good stuff i don't know if you have any thoughts on this one drew or if we matched or anything but yeah this is one of my favorites i absolutely adore this movie um yeah you know it's you know we're in a pocket we mentioned earlier in the show and we've talked about it a couple weeks ago as well that we're in a pocket of the same 12 actors are being cast for everything there was a point in the 80s where it was like, all right, Stallone's got a movie. Schwarzenegger's got a movie. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the same 12 guys over and over and over again. So, you know, I it's we're just back in that cycle again. But uh, I love this movie. Uh, there's a lot of great and you covered pretty much so much ground to the point where I don't know what else to say. Yeah, um, I, I was worried about that. <laughs> there's a couple things like the movie takes place in the future, not far from where we are now. Um, but it takes place far enough into the future that there's some things that, you know, when you think about the gun violence in this world, right? When you think about it, like what's going on in the, with gun violence and shootings and all that stuff yeah, and gun control in Demolition Man, the movie takes place far enough in the future where they have that under control to a point that when he says he's going to, when he says Simon Phoenix is going to go get a gun, the guy's like, well, the only place you can even see one is in a museum, yeah. And you're like, are we moving to that? You know, um, when you think about COVID and RSV and, you know, all the other stuff that's going on disease wise in Demolition Man, they outlawed physical contact. Yeah. So there's that scene where they go to high five each other and stop and do that weird like circle thing. And he's like, what the hell's that? And they're like, oh, you know, and, you know, <laughs> after this, after, after and they list off some diseases after AIDS came this and after that came this and whatever. And I don't I don't remember the diseases they list off. But when they bring it up, she's uh, Sandra Bullock's character is like um, Nina Huxley, her character. She goes, they outlawed physical contact. I'm like, holy cow. But when you look back at it now, living through the things we've lived through, isn't that interesting? You know, Mm -hmm. so, you know, just a thought. But I I love this movie It is just great from beginning to end. And yeah, Dennis Leary's character is awesome. Um, He's the guy who just it's like is he a hippie or is he a rebel whatever and he's like no dude i just i want to have cho- i want to have the freedom of choice because that's and like when you look at the social stuff that's what's going on right now <laughs> yeah, absolutely it's it's nuts um it's almost like art is supposed to imitate life but i really feel in this really weird way for these science fiction writers it's the other way around and life is imitating um the art well, and, and not to start a whole other ta- tangent, but uh, all the crazy AI stuff that's going on right now. And uh, I was just talking about the Terminator, but like how many science fiction writers had to warn us about the dangers of AI? And it's just like people don't care. And it just feels like this inevitable thing. Like, 
we're all just embracing our robot overlords and uh it kind of sucks because some of us are like no you're not supposed to do that and you just kind of or just have to sit there and watch it happen and uh not to get too dismal but uh it's i don't know it's it's frustrating sometimes living in these uh scary future times i guess <laughs> yeah certainly is um all right i'm gonna get this one off the table real quick we've talked about it heavily i don't need to add my review anymore and we're coming up on the christmas season so everyone knows it's the best christmas movie out there in existence and that's die hard um I can't do a list of my favorite action films without talking about Die Hard, so Die Hard. Um, it's an action-packed movie. I love it. I know you do, Peter. Um, yeah. If uh, you're under the, if you're still living under a rock and haven't seen Die Hard, we're moving into Christmas season. So the standard annual debate: Is it a Christmas movie? Is about to commence. So yes, it is a It is a Christmas movie. That's where this podcast stands. And uh, enjoy. So I'm going to throw it back to you, Peter. <laughs> well, we actually matched. I chose Die okay. Hard as well. Um, I figured we would match on this one and probably a good call to get this out of the way because we've talked about it so much. But uh, Die Hard is like when it comes down to it, I think it's the it's a perfect action movie in a lot of ways, um, especially when it comes down to not just the action, not just a lot of the intensity of the movie, but just how concisely it's written. Like it's this kind of like short watch that's just super fun and it's everything is like tightly yeah. tied together and i love it um and then what's weird is a lot of people argue about die hard not being a christmas movie but i don't know that they really give any reasons why it's not <laughs> so i guess next time you get in that conversation ask the person to justify like why you know I don't need to justify why it is a Christmas movie. I can give you a hundred <laughs> reasons about that. You tell me why it's not, and then yeah. we'll go from there. You know what? That is that is a fantastic point, and that's how I want <laughs> everyone to approach that argument going forward. For those of you who are with us and Die Hard is a Christmas movie, that's that's how you do it. Um, it's a bad, and those are bad. It's a valid question to ask because that's that is the Die Hard gotcha question for that argument. Anyway, so since we matched, we'll kick it back to me. Um, I've talked about this movie in the past, too. Um, not as heavily as I have Die Hard, so we'll talk about it a little bit. But I went with the movie Speed. Um, I yeah, this good movie, call. Yeah, I absolutely love this movie. Um, this is literally the, you know, I love the, the scene in The Simpsons when they're like, what's that movie about the bus that goes over, you know, it goes over 50 miles an hour, and if it goes below, it blows up, and there's something about a bomb, like, you know, whatever, and they were like, I believe it's called The Bus That Couldn't Slow Down. <laughs> One of my favorite jokes about that movie, but ultimately, it's a bomber puts a bomb on a bus, and Keanu Reeves plays the cop that's got to get it off, but this is like car chases, there's a, there's a couple... There's a couple fight scenes, uh, police SWAT stuff. You know, that's the thing about action films. It's you get a lot of police movies. You get a lot of military movies. Yeah. You get a lot of, you know, maybe some science fiction stuff here or there with Terminator. But, yeah, um, Speed is just not – it's it's a nonstop movie. It doesn't ever stop. There's probably about maybe five minutes of downtime. So the movie starts with this really harrowing, intense moment. There's about five minutes of downtime after that leading you up to what happens on the bus. And then it is nonstop all the way to the credits. And it's it's awesome. Like, it's just it's definitely one of my favorites. And I think it's one that everyone should see. It's a movie that I broke out a couple times, um, uh, you know, in the realm of movie conversations with people who, you know, we Peter, you and I have seen a ton of stuff. 
and we continue to consume because it's what we like to do. We like watching this stuff, right? So you get in these movie conversations, and every now and then I find out someone has not seen the movie Speed. And I'm like, all right, you need to sit down and watch it in all seriousness. And they've come back like, that was amazing. Like, that's what, you know, they they come back like, oh, my God, why don't they make movies like that? And I'm like, that's a great question. Why don't they make more movies like that? (laughs) So uh, by all means, do not watch the sequel. If you've never seen Speed, go watch it, but don't watch the sequel. Pretend it doesn't exist, and I'll leave it at that. (laughs) I haven't seen the sequel since I was like... I don't know, like single digits age, (laughs) age range. Like I haven't seen it since I was a kid and I remember liking it. So I kind of, I'm kind of curious how that holds up, but the first movie Um, was always so much better. So the first one holds up for sure. Anyway, (laughs) but no, this was a good call. I wasn't, I didn't think of speed at all, but I feel like maybe it should have made my list, but uh, no, this is a really good call and uh, no speed's awesome. It's a movie that feels it feels both timeless, but it also feels very like early to mid nineties in the best way too. Like it kind right. of has that sort of like I can just imagine being a teenager in the nineties and uh like I, I was a little younger than that, but I imagine like you could watch go see speed at the theater and then come home and read a bunch of spawn comics or something and it'd be the greatest Friday night ever. <laughs> so right. that's kind of the vibe I associate with it, even though it does have a very timeless vibe to the movie as well um but yeah i can move into my next um my next pick i guess um so yeah i went with uh another one that i feel like is kind of off the beaten path but when you think about it it totally is an action movie and it's uh it's a movie that i've talked about a lot so i don't want to go on and on but i went with the movie desperado and uh yeah good call yeah and i i think desperado you know, it's a Robert Rodriguez film and you have, you know, you have a Quentin Tarantino cameo and uh, you have all these aspects, you know, you have this sort of lone traveling guitarist, except his guitar case is filled with guns and you have all these cool aspects, but it kind of feels like maybe a little more artsy than you associate a lot of action movies with. But when you think about it, the movie is almost like so first and foremost about like you have Antonio Banderas's character who has to fight off all these different goons of this like drug lord that he's fighting off and you have like Danny Trejo shows up and he's the guy who throws knives and you have all these other characters and at the beginning of the movie you have this like amazing amazing um bar fight scene and the action is so first and foremost in this movie but you don't necessarily think of it along the lines of like the the old classic like Schwarzenegger movies or Sylvester Stallone movies and stuff but it totally is like a great classic from or great action movie from the 90s so I just had to go with it but like I said I've blown this movie up so much in the past I don't want to go on and on about it too much but no I got you uh we've talked about heavily about this movie but yeah this is one of those things so I'll just talk about the action real quick because the action it's literally there's a lot of guns man there's a lot of guns in this movie Um, And he carries him around in a guitar case, which is even greater. Um, But the movie opens with, you know, Steve Buscemi walking into that bar and he's talking about being in this other bar. And he's telling this story about this guy who comes in and just starts blowing everybody away. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then so you get that action sequence and then there's like maybe like a couple minutes of downtime. And then the dude walks and then the guy who's killing everybody, the, the main character, walks into the bar and the gunfight begins and it's just like you get gunfight after gunfight after gunfight after yeah. knife fight after gunfight like it's it's awesome 
Um, this is another movie that never doesn't stop. And I think that this is a golden gem, if you will, in terms of uh, action films. Um, Absolutely. All right. Moving on to mine. Um, we're going to the Schwarzenegger film. Actually, the next two of mine are both Schwarzenegger movies. Um, and I went with Total Recall. Um, nice. The, the original Total Recall uh, was supposed uh, Total Recall uh, by Philip K. Dick, which is a um, it's a 26 page short story that got turned into this like <laughs> um, really lengthy uh, movie that like strayed so heavily it just became basically became an action film. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> the it's. This is a movie that, in my opinion, continues to hold up. Maybe not some of the special effects, but ultimately the movie itself holds up. It's wild in, like, the best ways. And it's got some of the coolest action and technology, and it just doesn't stop going. This movie, surprisingly, it's it's a movie that... It's kind of normal movie length, but it feels lengthy. Like when I've if I've gone right. back and watched it, it's like, oh, my God, we haven't even gotten to that yet. There's so much they covered. <laughs> and that that script was so packed with details that um, there's so much ground that needs to be covered as you watch through it. It's great. I I total recall is it's a movie that I think everyone needs to watch just like on the sense of what am I watching and like trying to piece it together? Like, I'm not really sure if I truly understood everything that happened on screen by the time I got to the end. Yes. Like, is he dreaming? Is he awake? Is he lucid? Is this really happening? Or is this part yeah. of uh, like, you're still like, I honestly don't know if I know the answer to that question. And I've seen the movie several times. Um, that That's what I love about this movie is uh, it has that an- ambiguity and it has this uh, intricate plot. It's, um, you know, I'm I'm assuming when it came out, a lot of people were just like, you know, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is just like the biggest action star on the planet. And people probably went in like, awesome. You know, <laughs> I loved Arnold in all these other movies. And now I'm going to see him, you know, kill a bunch of aliens. This is going to be great. And I don't know if people were expecting the intricate esoteric plot they were given with this movie and that's why i love it um this movie didn't make my list and this is again me just i was trying to be such a purist with the list but i just think of total recall as more of a sci-fi movie than an action movie but there's so much action in in it it should have made my list because it's one of my favorite arnold movies of all time like it's so great and uh, i think this is a really good call you know and this is a perfect example of what you were talking about in terms of uh earlier um when uh we were talking about that rebooting thing um and then reboots and um the the sci-fi over the action where philip k dick wrote a science fiction short story that got turned into this movie which became an action movie because of how they cast it and the approach they took on it they did do a total recall reboot with colin farrell uh jessica beale and uh kate beckinsale and I watched it with an open mind because, you know, and I I saw some previews. I'm like, that doesn't look horrible. And then yeah. I watched it and it's it honestly, I prefer the original. OK, I'll be honest on that one. However, 
they took the approach, they still made it an action movie, but they took the approach with the reboot to try and be closer in line with the Philip K. Dick story. Yeah. Um, so the sci-fi elements were he- more heavily followed as opposed to the action movie that um, they made with Schwarzenegger. So I think both movies are good for their own merit. And that's really the only way of wording it. <laughs> so. Okay, fair enough. I actually never watched the uh, Colin Farrell version because I my thing was like, I just loved the original movie so much that I was just like, I thought they were going to ruin it. And I just couldn't bring myself to watch it. But I think enough time has passed and uh, I probably should throw that I, on one of these I do days, think it is worth, I, mean. I, I really do think it's worth watching and um yeah. it's it, it it does some really cool stuff uh computer technology is better um they don't <laughs> go to mars but when you see how it's how everything's playing out um you'll kind of be with it along the way it's it's i think i had fun with it um but cool. i kind of i was trying my best not to compare it to the original i still prefer the original but that is is what it is Anyway, okay, fair enough. Um, go ahead. What's your next one? Last two. Picks well, I was, like- I was gonna say, um, I gotta watch the new Total Recall, and you gotta watch the uh, RoboCop reboot, I guess, and we can report back. Yeah. Um, okay, so my next one, um, I actually went with another Arnold uh, movie. I went with uh, Predator, the uh, first, ah, yeah, first Predator Predator film. This is. This is a total science fiction movie. This is an alien invasion movie to an extent. You know, they're really dealing with one creature. But this movie is intense. This is also just totally an action film. Like, we're talking about the biggest and burliest sort of, like, military dudes out in the jungle fighting this alien creature who is invisible for, like, so much of the film. And uh, it's a cool survival story. It's a cool, like, shoot 'em up sort of story. It is a great action film. And it's just, you know, if you want to argue, like, this isn't true action because there is those sci-fi elements, like, give me a break. Like, there is so much testosterone, like, in one scene <laughs> of this movie than I'll, like, ever have in my body my whole life, you know? This is... This is classic. This is great. There's the scene where Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers meet at the beginning of the movie. They're all they're all the friends. It's like I like hey, it's been a while kind of a moment. And they go to shake each other's hands, but the way they do it, it's this like weird grip where they're like flexing their muscles at the same time, like who's got the stronger (laughs) grip. So saying that there's too much testosterone in this movie is a is a uh, understatement for sure. But they go to shake each other's hands, and it's the class. You hear the smack, and then you get the up close of their like muscles uh, flexing. Um, I've seen memes of that sequence where, yeah. as they grab, there's like an explosion in the background. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's great. Um, yes, dude, Predator is fantastic, and this is the movie. This is the this movie is why I came up with this list. Um, by the way, yeah, right. We, we, we didn't match. But wow. this, I know, right? But this is the movie, why I came up with this list, because there's a scene in the movie where Jesse Ventura, in the midst of the, you know, fighting and everything, he, he says, I ain't got time to bleed, which that's a hell of a line to begin with. But seriously, who today can deliver that line and be believable? Let's be real. Who can say that line and deliver it? Um, believably, I really don't think there's an actor out there that could do it. The only person, and I'm 
I said this last week that I believe they could do it would be Jason Statham. He's the I think he's the only actor out there that could I could believe saying that line. Um, and that's just because I was watching. What was I watching with him in it? Oh, I was watching the trailer for uh, The Beekeeper, which was in front of um, Five Nights at Freddy's. And it made me. Uh, oh, okay. uh, and it made me think about that. I was like, oh, you know what? Statham could probably pull that off. So. Well, here's what's um, what's kind of funny about that is uh, just speaking about Jason Statham. I was just watching uh, The Meg 2 the other night. I don't think I, I finished the movie, but the movie, it's The Meg 2. Like, it's it's like the first movie, but it's even more ridiculous. Like, there's, <laughs> there's stuff that happens in that movie that's really crazy, not super realistic. But at the same time, it's a creature feature, and it's so fun to watch. Uh, the reason I bring that up, though, is Jason Statham... When he's in that movie, he believes every line he says, like he is putting his all in this into his role, into that sort of like this ridiculous creature feature that he's in. And so I think you might have a good point. Like, I think he's the guy who could deliver that line and just be completely believable and serious about it nowadays. But um, no, back to Predator. Great movie. Great film. Um one last thing is just the creature effects from this movie. This isn't necessarily oh, action focused, but this movie honestly are great. They're awesome. They hold up today. Like they're just that awesome eighties level of practical effects. And it's just a creature design that still stands out and still just, it's like, it just ages like fine wine. So uh, yeah, great stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. So this goes back to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, so here's my next one, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. <laughs> awesome. Um, this is one, I and mean, you were talking Terminator before, and, like, we can go on and on, but, again, this is one that I've watched several times, um, and this is, it's definitely the best of the Terminator movies, in my opinion. I do feel, as long as you're paying attention to what's going on, you could probably skip the original. You don't want to totally watch the original. <laughs> But if you were to show someone like the first if you were to show someone Terminator 2, like on a whim, like you got to watch this movie, they'd be able to follow it just fine. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you get the T-1000, you get those fight scenes, you get the you get some really cool car chase sequences, you get the battle in the mall, you get the battle. Um, I mean, it's really just two robots going at it and then everyone yeah. trying to survive around them. But then you get like all the really you get the stuff like in Skynet, like the battle there. Um, it's, this is, this is great. And it's literally like one robot trying to protect a kid and the other robot trying to kill the kid. And then you're trying, and then everyone around him trying to prevent <sighs> the AI singularity from taking over. Like we're living it right now. People, James Cameron <laughs> warned us in 94, pay attention anyway. Uh, but yeah, Terminator two judgment day. Love this movie. Um, Yeah. So so we match match for this one. Oh, really? Um, yeah, this made my list. And this was going to be uh, pretty high up there for me, too. Um, it might sound weird because of what I said about the Terminator, like the first movie earlier, because you look at Terminator 2 and, uh, you know, it still has those sci fi elements. It has these robots from the future who are coming back wreaking havoc. You have so many of those elements. But when you think about Terminator 2, I don't I think it might just be a personal thing, too. But in my mind, this movie just sticks out as such a action film where for some reason the first one and I think it's because of a lot of the mysterious elements of the first one. The first one sits more in the sci fi thriller part of my mind and Terminator 2 just is like this 
bombastic action blowout that I love. But yeah, I can see this that. movie's yeah, yeah, this this movie's just great. And it is like a string of action scenes between these two robots trying to kill each other, but you have T one thousand who uses you know, he has this liquid metal sort of build to him that leads to some of the coolest special effects. And I feel like um James Cameron had the foresight to know that if he did liquid metal, it's going to age a lot better than if he tried to use CGI for some other element. But because it's liquid metal, it actually ages pretty well, like the way he would, uh, you know, turn to liquid and, you know, reform like certain limbs and stuff like that. There's just so many classic moments. But uh, no, this one's a great one. This movie, I feel like, took over the world for a bit in the early 90s. And uh, no, this is this is one of the best action movies of all time. Um, it's hard to re- really even do justice to it, just talking about the film, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's, I don't know, we could go on and on. We could probably actually do, have you seen all the Terminators? I know there's like one or two that I've missed. Like I've seen so most of them. One, um, I can't. one, two, Genesis. Um, Dark Fate is the most recent. I haven't seen that one. And then I, I don't think I ever saw Terminator three. I think I just saw parts of it. Okay. Um, Terminator. But Dark I, I've seen Fate. Genesis and Salvation for sure. Yeah. Salvation. I actually really enjoyed. And yeah. I think, I, I think that, um, I was kind of excited, like, because that one was all future war. That was, like, no flashbacks. Like, you know, the other ones, it's, like, the first one is, like, you see the future war, and then they send the Terminator back in time to go kill John Connor. And then the second one, you see future war, and then the Terminator goes back to kill John Connor, but then you find out that the other one came back to protect John Connor. You know, that's kind of, like, the the thread. When you look at, when you get to Salvation, it's all future war, and I was kind of, like, maybe they'll stick with, this is the Terminator. Like we've gotten to the future war stuff. Now we're going to get more future war stuff. Um, yeah, that would have been cool if they Genesis, just kept going uh, forward, uh, you know, Genesis was okay. It's definitely the weakest of them. Um, I feel like there's one I'm missing, but um, dark fate. Uh, what? Yeah. Keep, keep going. No, no, the, the only one, I mean, just Terminator three rise of the machines. Okay. I don't know if you commented on that, but that's the only oh, other I, one I can think of. Okay, well, yeah, so, and then Dark Fate was surprisingly pretty good. Um, I kind of went into it not expecting a lot, but at the same time, you got to at least expect the Terminator movie. It was actually pretty good. So, um, you know, you know, it's crazy. This is kind of random, but um, I'm just thinking about, like, the Terminator and how that would be a fun, it'd just be fun to have, like, you know, we talk about you do like the uh, Star Wars movie party where you start Star Wars Episode One at like 8 a.m. or something, and you watch all the uh, the original like six movies all day. And uh, it'd be fun to do that with the Terminator, like just have a Terminator watching day. And then I was like, my mind went to like, well, you could host host a party with it, and then maybe somebody could dress up like the Terminator. And then my mind went to you don't really see a lot of Terminator cosplays and stuff at Comic-Con. And that's kind of unfortunate. I feel like you should see that more, you know? Well, yeah. And that, yeah, I'm with you. Well, (laughs) now that we got Wednesday back, you know, like we got Wednesday on, you know, Netflix and stuff. I'm waiting for the uh, goth phase to come back. I know that that's got to make a loop around, right? 
See, yeah. I think it has come back, but only on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> like not, you don't see these not, people in real life, only on the internet. <laughs> it's not mainstream like it used to be. Um, all right, so my final pick of the night, and I don't know if I intended for this to be final pick of the night, but this was like one of the first things I wrote down. This is a movie I absolutely adore, um, and I think I don't want to see a remake of it, but I this this is a golden gem. Um, it's it's a Stallone movie called uh, Cliffhanger. Um, Great, good call. I I really really liked this movie. Now I know I'm a big sucker for like snow, <laughs> and um and I like things like when they do snow environments and stuff. That's one of my favorite environments for like you know movies and stories and stuff like that. So you know seeing them on the mountaintops with the snow and everything, yeah, that grabs my attention. But <sighs> This is a movie like just starts with rock climbing and, you know, this horrific, horrific gut punch of an opening of the movie, man, um, that I don't want to spoil the opening, but it is like it was it's a very famous opening to a film and it is it'll like it's a gut punch of a thing. And you're just like, oh, OK, this is the direction we're going. All right. And then the movie turns into it like you think you're just watching a thriller about rock climbers. And then the movie turns into an action film and you're just like with it. You're along for the ride. It's a roller coaster from the beginning on. Um, and it's guys like, you know, the the plane sequence where they try and rob the airplane and they have to like zip line from the one airplane to the other plane. That's just so cool, man. Like just the idea of it, just that's awesome. Um, I always, I was completely fascinated by that when I watched that movie the first time. And then the one plane explodes and the money falls down and the bags of money get dispersed through the woods and they got to go trek, trekking through it. And they run into the rock climbers and all that stuff. It's, it Cliffhanger is one of those really fun movies. Um, and it's a lot of like it's harrowing in the sense that I wonder how it would play if they were to like. Now, I'm going to say don't reboot it, don't remake it, but remaster it so you could play it on IMAX with the heights of the rock climbing and stuff like that. Like, there's some oh, cool. Yeah. There, you know what I mean? When you think about when you think about I know you haven't seen the newest Mission Impossible yet, Dead Reckoning Part One. But the scene when they do like right before he does the motorcycle jump that the movie's like kind of famous for, they do like it's like a drone pass over the cliff. Like, so you can see the height on an IMAX screen. It's dizzying, not dizzying because nice. the camera's moving. It's dizzying because, like, you can't control what you're looking at. And the screen just kind of pans and shows you how high up you are. And on an IMAX screen, you're just like, oh, you kind of feel it in your stomach a little bit. Um, but, like, you know, thinking about that, when I think about movies like The Walk, where it's the guy who tightrope walked between uh, World Trade Center, those were crazy heights. Well, this is a movie about rock climbing, and to see that with an IMAX screen might be kind of cool just for the the sheer height and, like, terrifying look of it, you know? But, um, yeah, dude, there's one scene in the movie, the only scene in the movie that I believe is, like, oh, just a little far-fetched. Yeah, most action movies are far-fetched, and you can kind of point at some of the mistakes. But is the, there's a scene where they blow up a bridge... And he's like running as it's like collapsing underneath him. And uh, the only reason I know that doesn't work is because I watch Mythbusters and <laughs> they uh, <laughs> they proved that that's not a thing because gravity will win out. Um, so you can't do it. Nice. And he's only he only takes like 
maybe two steps and then jumps and gets to the other side. Like he only has to take like a because he's not far onto the bridge when it blows because they they blow it on one end. So he turns and he sees it coming. He turns around. So he's already in mid sprint when it happens. He takes like two steps from the explosion, jumps and kind of catches where he's got to catch. So it's not too far fetched, but Mythbusters says it doesn't work. So, um. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> um, no, good stuff. Um, it's hard to add to all that you said, but uh, Cliffhanger's really good. It's a classic, too. It's kind of, um, I think it gets slept on a lot nowadays. Um, but one thing I did want to comment, because you were talking about the opening scene, um, and if anybody has seen the movie uh, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, <laughs> um, that movie, the opening scene, is a direct parody of the opening of Cliffhanger, um, and it's a really tragic but really well shot uh, piece of cinema. So, uh, but yeah, good call with this one. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Cliffhanger, man, I uh, love that movie. Um, all right, that brings us to the end of this fun episode. Peter, what are we talking about next week? Yeah, so... Um... I have a fun list planned for next week, and uh, I think both of our lists tonight played out really well because of what I wanted to go with next. But we have all these awesome action movies we just talked about, and I feel like there's an aspect of action that maybe we didn't focus on a lot. And uh, I thought it'd be fun to talk about our top five favorite female action protagonists. So I want to talk female about like, the bad action protagonists. So, yeah, so I want to talk about the at badass women from uh, action movies and stories and stuff. So you got your Laura Crofts, you have your Alice from uh, Resident Evil. You have a lot of as... what's that? Our heroine, right? Yeah, pretty much like your your yeah your action heroines basically. And uh, for variety's sake, I think it would be cool to. Uh, not limit this to just movies like I'm sure we'll have a lot of movie picks, but there's a lot of cool um, there's a lot of cool video game characters you can go with. There's a lot of um, comic oh. book characters you could go with. I would probably say wow. like I don't want to make this list super like superhero centric, but there's a lot of cool like comic characters you can go with when you think yeah. of just like female action stuff. You know what I mean? What so I, what do I base my prowess on? All right, here we go. Um <laughs> yeah, interesting list. I'm totally down with that. That's, that's awesome. So awesome, awesome. Yeah, 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 cool. All right. So female action heroes is ultimately what we're looking at. Um, I say protagonist is a good word, but I'm just saying hero or heroine because it kind of helps the explain that a little. Anyway. Yeah, I, I hear uh, you. I hear you. Um. All right. So since that brings us to the end of the list, everybody. Do us a favor and check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, along with the link to an email, our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there. Hit us up on our social media. Either way works. We are on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Audible, and Amazon. You can subscribe to us in those places. places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be raising awareness that the Teen Titans murdered Aquaman in Teen Titans Go to the Movies. <laughs> 
a lot of people forget about that, but it, it happened. <laughs> you know what a lot of people forget about in that movie is the challengers of the unknown. I, I was the <laughs> only true. guy in the theater to laugh audibly at that. And they're all like, what? I didn't get that joke. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, all right, everyone. For the top five report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.